Welcome to Prodigal and the Priest, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. I'm Joey Scansella, joined by my co-host and good friend, Father Paul Bechter. Father Paul, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Joey. And I'm COVID-free. COVID-free. Nice. Awesome. So you went, you got a test, you tested Mm -hmm. negative. Tested negative. Quarantine about two weeks and Mm -hmm. uh, going going back. I'm all free. Yes, praise God. That's great to hear. serve. That is great to hear. If I could find this drop, that would be amazing. Oh, yeah. COVID free. There it is. There it is. (laughs) I Um, love drops. (laughs) I love drops, too. Um, I guess also we should be saying that this is like, this is the Friday rendition, which is kind of different than Prodigal and the Priest. It's Prodigal and the Priest and me. Right. Because we've gotten some questions, and hopefully we can continue to get some more questions, which if you ever have a question for us about faith, about sports, really about anything, even just our personal opinion on life, what's our favorite color, what animals we like, you know, anything. Mm -hmm. Um, There's two ways to go about that. They could go to our website. Actually, there's multiple ways to go about that. One is our website, www.stamparish.org slash ptp. That's Prodigal and the Priest. Don't know why it's P-A-T-P, but it's Prodigal and the Priest, uh, so P-T-P. And then our... Google email address, which is prodigalandthepriest at gmail.com. Or they can message us on Instagram or St. Anne Facebook, either one. Mm. Or if they are lucky enough and privileged enough to have our phone numbers, they can Uh, text us a question as well, which some of you definitely have been doing, some uh, former teens and different people like that. So we're excited about this. We're going to jump in. So... The way I want to do this, Father Paul, we're going to read a question, and uh, we'll both just give a little bit of input and just uh, discussion back, and uh, hopefully be able to get to answer. Um, and um, yeah, if there's any follow-up from our listeners, we'd love to hear it. Sound yeah, good? Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's go to the first question. Um, this is actually the first question that was ever submitted. So, can an unbaptized person go to heaven? Mm. Can an unbaptized person go to heaven? Yeah. First um, question, going for the throat. Going for... <laughs> All right. Why hold back? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that... Uh, I, can't, I can't compete with the drops. Yeah. Can't drop compete with spoken. the drops. Yeah. Uh, you want me to go first? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... Well, this, the simple answer is... Yes. 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 Of course. 100%. Of course. Yes. But why? Why? So okay. let's give some stuff. Uh, the question is more is like, why is baptism important, right? Why do we say that it's necessary? It's because Jesus said it is. Now, it has to do with, okay, this is a very simple way to say it, and the catechism itself talks about it, that right. God binds himself to the sacraments but is not bound to the sacraments, right? Mm-hmm. That the sacraments are the ordinary way of salvation that has been revealed to us, and for us who know about that, they are necessary, but that God is not bound to work only through those channels of grace in the sacraments. Right. That he can also work outside. It's just we don't know how he works uh, for somebody who doesn't know Christ, right? That becomes a matter like very tied up in sort of their internal life and their relationship with God, even though they don't have the fullness of revelation. Um, so simple answer is yes, um, but we still very much have the, <laughs> the call to preach the good news, which includes that baptism is the gateway into uh, eternal life. Um, and we hold to that very, very strongly because Jesus Christ himself <laughs> emphasizes it over and over again. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And we and you you kind of referenced to it in the beginning, right? Matthew twenty eight mm-hmm. is where we hear that great commissioning to mm-hmm. go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, just want to bring in where we hear about baptism. Um, and also, I wrote down this reference um, reading here. Um, Catechism 847 says, um, those who through no fault of their own do know, do not know Christ or the church. So those who are no fault of their own do not know the gospel of Jesus Christ and the church who nevertheless seek God with a sincere heart and move by his grace, try to their action, try in their actions to do his will as they know it through the dictates of their conscience. Those who may achieve eternal salvation. So it's saying like those who do not know Christ were never given that opportunity. It's not their fault that they weren't baptized. Right. Um, the church doesn't believe in double predestination, not in, not in like a Calvinist way or something where there is just someone who's marked out uh, for damnation from the beginning, never had a chance. Uh, that's right. not our faith. Um, we do believe that our God is very merciful and that he offers the possibility of salvation to all, but we don't know how that works outside of the Catholic Church, right? Outside of Jesus Christ, uh, the one mediator, and outside of the sacramental uh, avenues of grace that he's given us. So yes, we know that's possible. Yes, we can hold out you know, great hope for those who don't know, but I also know that like it's hard for us, right, who have all the means of grace uh, to live a virtuous life. And so we shouldn't be unrealistic, right? Yeah. Um, but what about in naive. the case where you encounter, and I hear this a lot of um, parents saying, well, I'm a grandparent and my child, you know, is no longer in the faith, does not want to encounter the faith. And so um, why can't I take my grandchild and just baptize them? Because I know the importance of mm. baptism. Mm-hmm. So why can't I just, you know, why can't I? I'm, I'm bathing them one night and just boom, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, no good follow up. Um, well, the parents, you know, are really like they have that responsibility, right? And that right, and so that's that's really thwarting that in a major way. They're the ones who would speak consent mm-hmm. uh, on behalf of their infant who would be baptized, right? Um, and so, yeah, it's not for someone else to take into their own hands. Um, but it is for us to pray. If we know people who haven't come to Christ for whatever reason, in whatever situation, that's just all the more reason for us to pray for them. And there's plenty of stories from the lives of the saints about the power of that prayer, that it actually does matter, right? Even if we don't see anything happening Absolutely. in our life, that like, it really does matter. God sees it. Right. Um, Absolutely. Totally agree. And the church also talks about, just for those who are curious, um, I know three different types of baptism, baptism of water, baptism of blood, which mm-hmm. would be those who have given their life um, for Christ, even if they weren't like baptized. I think of like uh, Charles Lugan- Lawanga, uh, yes. the Ugandan martyr Very good. who was not baptized, but yet gave his life for Christ. And mm-hmm. so that spilling of his blood, that martyrdom, you know, was that baptism in that blood. And the third is baptism of desire. And I bring that up for my personal case is, um, as I've mentioned before, um, my wife Nikki and I had a daughter who passed away. Um, We were able to baptize her um, right before they took her off life support. But I know a lot of people that contact me and say, well, 
you know, we've had a miscarriage or we had an infant die or, you know, somebody before they were able to be baptized, right? And there is that baptism of desire that, you know, if the parents were intending to, there is no, you know, negligent reason that, you know, this didn't take place that that counts as well as baptism. God isn't going to hold it against and be like, oh, you didn't make it one more week to get your baptism date in, right? Yeah, I mean, baptism of desire properly refers to like uh, an adult like Charles Luangwa, mm-hmm. um, although his is baptism by blood, right? Martyrdom. Right. Um, but they're, they're the same dynamic. It's this desire by which you already attain right. um, in sort of a, an invisible way, the good that you're seeking in a visible way. And it does make sense to extend that to parents for their children, especially because they supply the consent for their children in the actual baptism. Right. Um, but with all of these things, once you start getting out beyond like what we know for sure, right? And moving into kind of the margins of these questions, um, really the the response is to to hope in our good and merciful God uh, yeah. who came to save us and is not playing a game of gotcha with us ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a difference between that kind of hope and sort of a presumption, right? Um, or or a certainty that's not based on actual revelation, right? Um, but that doesn't make the hope nothing. It it's a good thing. Right. We should trust in the goodness of our God. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that was a great question. Thank you uh, for um, uh, submitting that. Um, The next one is not as complicated or deep, but still a great question. Um, This came to us from Instagram, and that is, uh, what are some of your favorite hymns? Now, Mm -hmm. before when we were talking about this, you uh, you immediately jumped out and said, well, I can tell you which ones I don't like. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure people would also be interested in those. That would be great. Um, but let's start with the favorite ones. Let's start with the favorite ones. And this is going to be interesting because we come, we, we talked about in one of our previous episodes, mm-hmm. we come from very different backgrounds and very different um, musical appreciations. And so, um, yeah, what are some of your favorite hymns? Yeah, so... I do have hymns that I like in English. I just can't remember the names of them because uh, it's been a while <laughs> since I've sung them. But like, really the ones that I like are the ones that came from the church fathers in some way or another that have this like antiquity to them that are actually like ancient theological poetry. I know that it's, you know, it's certainly possible and there are many examples of contemporary hymns that are really theologically rich. But my preference is definitely for like the early ones. There's something about the weight of antiquity there. So like things that St. Ambrose wrote and that mm. um, St. John, uh, oh, shoot, what's of his the name? Cross? No, Chrys- no, no, Chrysostom. Chrysostom. No, St. John Damascene. He was the, Ugh. yeah, St. John Damascene. He's buried outside of Bethlehem. I went and saw his grave. He's called the hymnographer. Um, the hymnographer. Yeah, pretty awesome, right? Nice. Hymn writer. Um, so those kind of, kind of hymns and the way I access those often is to sing them in, in Latin and they have a particular tune to them. There's different tunes set to them. Um, but that's where, that's where my sort of favorite hymns lie. And then you could, you could come up to the middle ages, like the ones that I can actually name something like the Pange Lingua. Mm. That's actually a hymn. That's a hymn written by St. Thomas Aquinas for the feast of Corpus Christi. Nice. Um, we don't think of that as a hymn, we think of that as something that we sing on Holy Thursday right? Um, and sing part of for Eucharistic adoration and benediction. Um, but that's actually written as a hymn. Um, and it's so beautiful when you start looking at the words of the full hymn. 
I mean, same with like Tonto Mergo, right? Tonto Mergo are the last, that's the very, that's the penultimate stanza of the hymn Pange Lingua. Awesome. Don't even know what that means, but it it's, sounds awesome. It's a verse towards the end. <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah, for me, it's a lot different. I, I will say, okay, when we look at the older hymns, and I don't even know how far back this is, but you know, when I go to ordinations, the song that just like speaks to my soul is like, Oh God, beyond all praising. Mm, the ordination song. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, besides that, meh, the rest, <laughs> the old ones, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely more on the praise and worship side that like there are songs that um, I'm kind of always like trying to build up a new repertoire and uh, you know, like things like Waymaker and things like um, um, Oceans. No. Resurrecting um, by, uh, um, I think it's by Jesus Culture or Elevating Worship, one of those, you know. Um, there's older ones like No Longer Slaves um, that I love. Uh, so there's a lot of songs. I mean, I'm definitely down the praise and worship route. So, um, but then both are probably in agreement. Our favorite, favorite hymn has been summoned recently, the Hamilton music. <laughs> yes. You just discovered this, I just, right? I, I know I'm like 12 or 10 years late to the party. Yes. Like I knew that Hamilton was a thing, right? That it was a major Broadway hit, um, eclipsing records, winning whatever Grammys or things. Tony's. Tony's. Tony's yeah. Yes. Okay. That's Broadway, right? Yeah. Um, Grammy is music. Yeah. Okay. Yes. You're um, digging yourself deeper here. Just keep right. going. Okay. So I live under a rock. I don't know about these things. I didn't know it came out on Disney Plus last week. I actually do have Disney Plus. It's one of the only streaming things I have. Um, nice. Got to watch The Mandalorian, you know. It's great. Can't wait for season two. But um, yeah, I I didn't even know about that until you told me earlier this week that Hamilton came out and you can just stream it and watch it. And so I was like, well, all right. I'll probably get to it eventually. If it was, you know, that good, I should probably look at it sometime. And then yesterday, for some reason, I just started listening to some of the music on YouTube. So good. And it was incredible. I love it. I can't wait. I can't wait the until, King George until I get songs. like three hours of free time and then I can watch it. Yeah. I, I texted Father Paul this. I was like, the King George songs, like, they just, they just speak to my soul. Mm. And he is my spirit animal. I don't know if that is a good thing or a King bad George thing. III. Yeah. So, but I'll just leave it there. Anyway, so those are a few of our favorite hymns uh, and things we like. Um, this next one's uh, a little. Well, before we go back to the faith, let's let's jump to a sports question. Okay. Yeah. Um. What are our thoughts on the NBA coming back? So excited! Can't wait. I really hope that the bubble doesn't implode or pop or whatever they're yeah. talking about right now. Right. Um, it's like, it's Disney World or Disneyland? Disney World, World is the one in Florida, right? Yeah, World is Florida, Land is California. So for those of you who don't know about this, the NBA's sort of plan, this is basketball, right? The National <laughs> the, the Basketball of, Association. Of professional basketball to return is to have, uh, they've selected just some of the teams, uh, as far as I understand, all the teams that were realistically within reach of making a playoffs berth. Yeah, um, yeah. We have here on an ESPN article, I'll read you that. They said that, um, I guess, why that number? And they said that um, it was 
16 teams in playoff position plus those within six games of each of the number eight seeds. So eight right. teams from each league make the playoffs. So mm-hmm. 16 and then six teams within six games. There's a lot of numbers right there. But yeah, um, but yeah so that's where they got the 22, mm-hmm. which some people critiqued because they said, you're putting these players at risk. You're putting families at risk, different things like that. Why wouldn't you send 16 teams? Why are you sending even more people? Because even though only five people step on a court at a time, the average number that will travel with each team to Orlando is 35 to 40 people. So It's only 35 to 40? I figured it would be in the I think they minimized it to be 35 to 40 people, mm, which okay. obviously is still a lot times 22 teams, you know, sure. so we're, we're talking about a large number, but that's where kind of like there's that question, you know, yeah, we're both super excited. How mm. do we feel about it? Good. I, I'm pretty nervous, though. I, I would be lying if I said the way 2020 has started off that <laughs> it won't end badly, that there will be Canceled an outbreak and before they can finish the playoffs, they'll have to cancel it. That's that's my big fear, to be honest. Yeah, I'm I mean, that. I think that's a legitimate fear. Um, my bigger fear for this is that like LeBron or somebody will get sick uh, for a key game and the Lakers will lose. I'm not afraid of that at all. I'd, I'd be overjoyed. But then they'll put an asterisk on it and be like, well, you know, it's just because LeBron got sick. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. I'm, I, think it's, I think it's honestly going to be good for our national morale to have sports back. Yeah. Like last night I watched like, I think the first time ever in my life, I watched the MLS, which I have nothing (laughs) against soccer. I love soccer. My wife, Nikki played goalie as a soccer, you know, like something would be a little better. But I was like, whoa, live sports. This is awesome. I think the most intriguing thing, and I know this sounds small and ridiculous. I think it is going to be bizarre and going to take so much getting used to watching these games without fans in the stadium. I am really curious what they're going to do. I know on the Premier League, which is soccer, yeah, they've fed in football. football. Um, they've fed in the sound of a crowd to the people listening at home, but it not helps. in. I think they should do it in the stadium. Let uh, the players fuel off that. If they're the home team, they get to send booze down, and they get to. <laughs> I don't know. I'm all for okay. that. You know, because otherwise. Uh, you know, I know this is a family podcast, so I'm not going to say any bad words, but a lot of these sporting events, they better feed something in because most of these players are cursing a lot. And so I'm worried that that's... Even in golf, they picked it, yeah, picked it up. Yeah, they picked it up because it's so quiet. People are dropping, you know, F-bombs and all those things. But mm. yeah, we're both excited. Do you have a team um, besides the Mavs? Okay. Um, any other team you'd like to see like represented or in the end or... Yeah, man. I I don't know. Um I don't even know really why I'm saying this, but I guess the Clippers. As much as I the as Clippers? I di- I know, but I just I don't want to see the Lakers win. <laughs> but then it's just like turning it Kawhi just won it with Toronto I and know. then it's like <sighs> And as much as I dislike Kawhi cuz I do like San Antonio, right? And he just held out for a year. Right. That's really how it looks now. Um right. and I think everybody knew it that whole time. Because uh, he wanted to move, and then so he really stuck it to San Antonio, and I kind of like San Antonio, except when they're beating Dallas. Um, I don't know. I still, I just respect Kawhi. Like he's just so, yeah. I mean, 
more than anybody except for maybe LeBron and maybe not even LeBron, he changes a team entirely by his presence. Like yeah. two-way presence I can see completely that. changes everything. And so I'm just, maybe I'm not rooting for them, but I'm intrigued by them. Yeah. Because they've also been dysfunctional for this whole season. Right. Um, so, of course, I, I will root for the Mavs. You all have heard before. I'm, I'm fine with the Mavs. I root for the Mavs. My dad is from Philly, so I, I will, of course, root for the 76ers, mm-hmm. who, you know, decent shot. I don't think anybody's against them being that they were <laughs> terrible for so long. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to lie. I also love watching the Milwaukee Bucks play. And I think yeah, they... Giannis. Giannis, okay. Yeah, yes. uh, Yeah, what is it? Giannis Anatokopo? Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. So he is amazing and fun player to watch. And so, you know, I think it would be fun to see them. And uh, yeah, so um, also with that, I was reading something interesting. I'll just toss this out as a final thought with that. Some people say, well, why risk more, um, you know, exposure, athletes, different things like that by bringing more teams in that. Well, the NBA also is trying to help people make their salary, right? Um, Mm -hmm. ESPN said that the primary reason that they're resuming with 22 teams is money. Um, That if the remaining 259 regular season games had been canceled, the players were going to face 645 million in loss salary. Mm -hmm. 645 million. And most of us think, yeah, but they're making millions. They're making all this money. Not all, though. Not all. And also, we know this as Americans, we tend to just live up to our next pay raise, right? We're not the best at always saving. We live to that standard. And I, I, I would love to do an episode on this in the future, but get these statistics, okay? CNBC put out these statistics. 60% of NBA players go broke within five years of departing the league. Yeah. I believe it. And 78% of former NFL players experience financial distress within two years after retirement. I believe that too. So when we say, why are there 22 teams? medical bills. Yeah. And when we say, why are there 22 teams? Like, that's why. Hmm. They need the money. Like, same reason, you know, we, we all are going back to work. They need the money. Now, we'll definitely be praying for their safety, their family safety. We, sure. we we know all of that. So we don't want to minimize that or be like, just push through it. No. like Adam Silver's pretty pretty smart dude. Like yeah. He's, he's been kind of on the forefront of this, of the the sports reaction. Absolutely. Um, to this. And so I think I think it's, it'll be good for other sports to see what the NBA does, even if their model is going to be different. Like baseball's not doing it. Football's not quite planning to do this bubble model. But just to see how things go. Um, it's a good pilot. Um, It'll be fun. Yeah. And so we recommend that you watch the, the NBA. We are unofficially not yet sponsored by the NBA, but you know, hoping to be with that, uh, plug that we just gave them. So, (laughs) and, uh, I was just looking up right now too. I couldn't remember if the Mavs were the eighth seed or the seventh seed. So, um, they are the seventh seed right now. So they would get to face Kawhi. And your boy and the Clippers. So um, your boy Kawhi. So let's hope they get bumped up a little bit right there so we can get a little bit better standing. So um, great question. Last one for today, folks, is um, which I love this question, but um, uh, this person wants to know our thoughts on if this quarantine with uh, COVID um, continues for 
you know, another year or a substantial amount of time, how do you see the church surviving? Mm-hmm. Can we? Um, mm-hmm. I just want to start with this, that um, the Father Edwin recently did a, like, answer 50 questions video. It's on YouTube. Um, the Dallas Vocations Office put it out. It's just a little fun video. And one of the questions said to him was, how do you see the, how do you see the church in the future? And he said something that I've prayed with a lot. He said, um, smaller but more faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what we're talking about here. I mean, when the rubber rubber meets the road, it's I don't I don't see how we're not going to have more faithful people, but we're going to shrink because of this. I think the people that were on the fringe before that the Catholic Church has done a poor job of reaching out to and evangelizing. Um, unfortunately, I think we're going to lose some of those people. Um, now, that doesn't mean just let them be lost, right? Jesus went after right. the the one from the 99, so we're going to go after them, but I, I think we are going to see a shrink. So I just want to toss that out as we started with this. Yeah, and I totally agree. That's actually the exact thing I was going to say. Ha-ha-ha, uh, took yeah. your answer. Yeah, but... Uh, so I've got an authority even greater than Father Edwin. Uh, Cardinal, <laughs> Cardinal Ratzinger said that. Um, AKA back, in, back in like the 70s. Pope Benedict. AKA Pope Benedict. <laughs> yeah, but when he was Cardinal Ratzinger. Right. Back in like the 70s or Why something. though distinguish that? Why say, oh, this is before he was the Pope? Does it, it have less relevancy? It has less authority. Like even when the Pope writes as a private theologian, which Benedict did, which is kind of a strange category to think about. But even with that, it's still the Pope writing. Yeah. Um, and that's a much different thing than a cardinal said, yeah. even if that cardinal later became Pope. He didn't say that as Pope in the same way because his words carry a lot more weight. Right. Um, but yeah, he, he, he was looking at the signs of the times and, um, and seeing even back then, and like compared to the situation we're facing now, like the 70s seem... <laughs> Uh, quite a bit different, but I don't know. I wasn't alive during the seventies, so I'm not really that sure what I'm talking about, but it's, um, (laughs) point is I've been thinking about that statement quite a lot too. Um, that there's a, there's a concept in the old Testament of the faithful remnant or of the root, um, that's left. Um, like I've, I've been going through this, through this, uh, live series, of reflections every morning on the minor prophets, mm. uh, mainly just Amos and Hosea, because those were our readings for the last two weeks. Right. And uh, they're pretty depressing to read. Like there are moments of great <laughs> hope, but mostly it's just chastising the widespread injustice and infidelity of the people of God. Right. Um, and foretelling the the impending doom. And so like it's, it's pretty doomy and gloomy to read, but then whenever they get all hopeful, especially in, in like Hosea 11, which was the reading for today. Um, they get hopeful because it's like, even though we stray, God does not let us go. Like he doesn't, he doesn't forsake us forever. Right. Um, and the imagery in Hosea 11 is of a father who has such love for his son that even though the son wanders off and says, I don't want to be around, think of the prodigal son parable from Luke 15. But um, even though the son wanders off, the father says like, I can't, I can't let you go, right? Um, I I will take you back. I just need you to to repent and come back. And so, right. Um, but there's that there's that theme all throughout the Old Testament of this this faithful remnant, right? Um, mm-hmm. Who does hold to the faith, 
not not saying that they're perfect or anything, but just saying like through conversion, right? Right. Um, who does stay faithful? And uh, I, yeah, I think it is going to be smaller. Um, I, I think that some people are going to come back um, who weren't practicing before. Because in times of crisis, right, you really start thinking about your faith a lot more. Yeah, that's um, true. And so I do think, but I think numbers-wise, that uh, we're going to get a lot smaller. And I think we just have to be ready for that, but also recognize what's going on supernaturally in all this and sort of how much more responsibility that gives us to go out um, and seek those who are lost right? Uh, that we're not, not in maintenance anymore. And for all of you that don't know me, I'm the most negative Eeyore type person there is. So I, I, I go negative, full, full blown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we have to remember, and I tell myself this, right? Like the gates of hell shall not prevail against us, oh, yeah. right? Like Jesus that's, has that's won. That's the underlying thing. <laughs> like, but it's, it's important. I need to remind myself mm-hmm. that and we need to remind others, right? Like the victory is already won. Jesus has conquered the grave. Yeah. Um, so... Um, like, among that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, there's, there's, there's sort of a great confidence and hope uh, that faith can give you, even when everything just really, really heads south, um, or whatever yeah. the phrase is. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's not, a, that's not a COVID almost sneeze. It's just an allergy. But um, we have to make excuses in these times like that. We do. Um, we do. But just the, the confidence that comes from faith um, and from trusting God, like even if everything starts to just fall apart, um, to to take that as a call to go even deeper in faith. Because yep. it's, it's only God who can save us. Um, Absolutely. Amen. So we thank everybody for their questions. Do not hesitate to submit one as small of a question, as big of a question, as lame of a question that any might, might think it is. Um, we love to talk about it. As you can tell, we love just talking and, and hearing our voices. So mm. um, you can do that a few different ways. Remember social media, our Instagram page at St. Anne Catholic, our Facebook page, St. Anne Catholic, just message us there. Or stanneanparish.org slash ptp or prodigalandthepriest at gmail.com. Take care of one of those. And uh, yeah, this is Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter for Prodigal and the Priest and me. Take care. God bless.